0: We're talking about the importance of organization, and you know the human body is very organized. Uh, when the human body gets out of organization, we tend to have trouble. We tend to have to go to the doctor. You know, if your mouth's not connected to your stomach, I don't know how you're going to eat. That's pretty organized. You know, your brain has to be organized to to think thoughts. You know, uh, if your brain starts to go unorganized and starts to lose all those millions of connections that it has. Um, your thoughts begin to go. You know, we, we see a lot of these diseases that are uh, rampant in our day and age. Uh, when you get older, um, because the organization in our body begins to break down. Uh, if you think of the military, you know, I never served in the military, but I have families in the military, and the military is very organized. You know, you have generals, you have captains, corporals, all the way down to the private, and I'm sure they let you know what your rank is and where you fit in to the organization, And in order for the military to work properly, you have to have that organization. Otherwise, you know, you don't even know where to go or what shoes to put on. Same with sports teams or other things. But imagine with me for a second if we had an unorganized church service. If the music itself was unorganized, if the notes were all over the place. And some of you might say, hey, man, this is 2014. I love listening to noise. I mean, I know that there's records out there now that's all about just organization, And, you know, let's make things as unorganized as possible and call it art. You no, know? <laughs> you just threw paint on a canvas, bro. Um. <laughs> but imagine, you know, if church was unorganized. You know, in the middle of worship, Tony comes up and starts doing the announcements. and the middle of the announcements, uh, you know, we take tithe. But then in the middle of the tithe, we interrupt for, you know, dangling off the chandeliers and snakes and all sorts of things and it's unorganized and sometimes we think that no like i think the other the pastor tony's were sharing today that you know i'm just led by the spirit bro like i'm just gonna go where the spirit leads me yeah that's true but god is um we're gonna look at it later in first corinthians but god is the god of order and not of chaos where god orders things on purpose the world is ordered and in fact The world is going from a state of complete order to a state of complete disorder, entropy. I mean, if you have kids and they have a bedroom, you see entropy all the time. You know, if you have a checkbook, you see entropy all the time. Uh, At least I do. That's why I don't use a checkbook. But uh, (laughs) in all sincerity, organization is very important in the way we do everything in life. And it should be no different. In fact, it should be even more important in the way we serve the Lord and the way we follow the Lord. Uh, But let's look at Joshua 14, and we'll go through the first five verses. And what time is it now? Okay. I'll forget, anyway. But 14, verse 1. Uh, These are the areas which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes, the children of Israel, distributed as an inheritance to them. Their inheritance was by lot, as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine tribes and the half-tribe. For Moses had given the inheritance of the two tribes and the half-tribe on the other side of the Jordan, but to the Levites he had given no inheritance among them. Uh, For the children of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, and they gave no part to the Levites in the land, except cities to dwell in, with their common lands for their livestock and their property. As the Lord had commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land." You know, we see here that uh, Joshua had taken them into the promised land, a place that Moses couldn't have taken him uh, because he misrepresented God in the wilderness. But we'll see, you know, when Jesus comes later, he sneaks Moses in onto the mountain later when he, uh, of transfiguration. But it says that there, in verse 2, their inheritance was by Lot. And that's not Lot, Abraham's you know, nephew. That's Lot as in they were each given a different piece. They were each given um, a section of land. But the word lot here could be pebbles used for systematically making decisions. You know, they had you know some marbles. And they said, okay, you get the blue one, you get the red one. And um, it's kind of like casting lots, drawing straws, or picking out of a hat. You know, uh, so <laughs> because Pastor Tony Schatz here, we play this board game at his house all the time called Axis and Allies. And it's really nerdy. But you have to pick your team by picking. We do it by picking out of a hat. And that's how you determine what team you're on. And that's kind of what's going on here. They all had their own inheritance, but they had to, to pick this inheritance, in a sense, out of a lot. You know, It was distributed by a lot, but it was also determined by a lot, so that there was no real favoritism going on here. Um, but when you think of casting lots, maybe the story in Acts comes to mind, where in uh, Acts chapter 1, uh, they're down a disciple, obviously, because Judas took himself out of the game. And so Peter stands up and he says, hey, We need to pick a new disciple. We've got a spot open on the team, and we really need to to fill this. And so he he calls for them to pick a new disciple by lot. And so they draw straws out of a couple of guys, and they pick a new guy. Um, And basically, we never hear about this guy ever again. Now, that doesn't mean that the Lord didn't call him. That doesn't mean that the Lord didn't use him. But there's no letter. There's no record of his service after there. But what do we do see? we do see that Paul is called to be an apostle. We see that Paul, this guy who persecuted the church, who made it his life's ambition to kill those who would consider themselves believers in his God, who believed in Jesus as the Messiah, as those who weren't. And God shows up to him, Jesus appears to him, and that's really the definition of an apostle in those days, and says, hey, you're mine, you're persecuting me. It's hard to kick against the goats. And Saul is converted to Paul, he becomes a new man, so it wasn't this way of, of casting lots, as we see here, but that God had called him through a divine appointment, through the Spirit. You know, I think a lot of times, I, you know, it's sort of mentioned about having skills and things, but we determined to go through um, church and through service to God by doing things the old ways, um, you know, by doing things by lots. Well, they used to do lots, like Peter said, hey, we've done lots since even we got the land, so let's just do lots again. You know, God hasn't told us anything new to do, so let's just go uh, draw straws. You know, uh, was it Jonah who was cast overboard because they drew straws? Um, But it was this old way of doing things, this way that um, was not really prescribed, but it was just sort of tradition. And I think we can do that a lot in church. I think that, um, you know, we can build our church, we can build our service by, on the way things were done previously, as opposed to the way things God would have them done now by his spirit. And I think that's a problem not to get into it too deep with the emergent church, where people go on and say, hey, we need to organize ourselves. We need to figure out how we're going to serve God. How do we do it? Let's look back to the dark ages. Let's look back to, you know, several hundred years after uh, the church was began. And let's do it the way they did it. Let's organize, organize ourselves the way they did it. And I've heard it said, and I'll repeat it, that they went back, pretty far. But if they really want to go back to the way things were done, they should go back to Acts 2.42. You know, they need to continue in prayer and fasting and fellowship and in the apostles' doctrine. It's like you're missing the point. You know, just going back and doing things the way they used to be done is not always the right way to do it. I have to go back and find out what is the real way? What is God's way of doing it? But our service and direction, it really has to come from the Lord. We can't just cast lots and say, well, there's 30 ministries for me to, to serve in. Let me just roll the dice and, oh, I got a five, so I'm going to go serve in children's ministry. Oh, I got a seven. You know, that's a big dice. You probably had Tony South to roll a seven. But <laughs> I'm going to go do media ministry or something. You know, it really has to be by a direction of the Lord. Um, you know, I remember first getting saved and, you know, I'm fresh out of the world. God has saved me from all sorts of things. And just coming to church like, whoa, like knowing that it's the truth. I remember uh, Pastor Owen at the time asking me to do some graphics for him and some website and saying that they'd been praying about somebody. And this was a skill that I had. This was my job. It's still my job in the world today where I play around on computers all day and I get paid for it, and it's fantastic. Um, And I always like to draw, but I remember going, wow, I can't believe I get to do this for the church. How do I do it? I remember looking at other church websites and like, is there a style to do it? You know, sort of looking back to um, the old way of doing things because, you know, in, in your mind you have this picture of what church is and that's not always the way church really should be. But just that Owen had asked me to do that, and it's not that I was sitting around praying, hey, Lord, give me something to do. But at the time, I think there is there is a direction that we can receive from other people. When a pastor or someone in leadership asks us to do something, we don't have to sit there and go, Lord, do you want me to do this? You know, when it's something simple like that or something small. I mean, you may want to pray about it, but if you're new, just it's okay to obey the pastor. It's okay to, to submit to leadership in that aspect. Now, you know, for larger things, I'd say pray about them. For, for greater things, pray about them. I mean, even pray about the little things. But I think if we we're sitting around all day and, you know, I asked James to, to go grab something or can you turn up the sound a little bit? And he said, well, I'm going to pray about it first. You know, like James, you know, Drew's singing. We have to turn up his microphone. You know, it's just the way things are. It's organization. It's the way things go. And I didn't ask James to do that. He did a great job on sound today. But just trying to make him an example because he's smiling back there. But Hebrews 4, 5, 4, through 5 says, And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who was called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten to you. And again, it's important that we don't take it on to ourselves, because even the Lord didn't take his ministry, in a sense, onto himself. He was doing what the Father had called him to do. And I think that that's really the point of everything today is really organization or service or anything begins with the Lord. You know, we can be as organized as we want to be, but if it doesn't begin with the Lord at the top of that organizational chart, it's all for nothing. But it says in verse 3, For Moses had given the inheritance of the two tribes and the half-tribe on the other side of the Jordan, but the Levites he had given no inheritance among them. And it's interesting that it says that they were on the other side, that they had gotten almost to the promised land, but these couple of tribes said, "Hey, you know, we kind of like it here. We don't really want to go any further. The wilderness was long enough. My legs are achy. This land is fine enough for us. Let's let's stay there." And I think as believers, we can choose not to come into the full promised land. That we're saved. God saved us. He's freed us from many things. We've been baptized. We've been walking the Lord. We've been serving the Lord. But at some point, we go, "This is good enough for me." You know, uh, this half an hour a week of service, or Sundays and Wednesdays is good enough for me. And now I'm not trying to, to put a trip on you, but I'm saying not to be content with this side of the Jordan, to say, this is all the Lord has for me. I'm going to stay here, and, and that's it. Now, I'm not saying to, to push forward like Pastor Tony was saying, to rush forward into other things, but not to really be content in the sense of, this is all God has for me, because God has always has more for us. God always has greater things for us to do, and that doesn't necessarily mean a greater spotlight, but it just means there's always something more to do. And I remember when our church was not meeting in a building, when we were meeting in a school. And we were unloading a trailer every day or every Sunday and pushing the trailer in and unpacking children's ministry and unpacking the stage. And then at the end of the service, packing everything back up and putting it back in the trailer. It was obvious that there was a need for things to be done. You'd be walking in, and even if you didn't want to serve, you're like, hey, can you help push this bin? Or, you know, hey, can you wind those cables up? Oh, not like that. You know, let me show you how to do it. But there was obvious that there was a need. And I remember the first time we had service in here, we all came in early as we uh, usually did and we're standing around I'm ever talking with one of the other guys in the back and we're you know he has a coffee and I'm just kind of looking around like what do we do <laughs> you know uh, <laughs> everything's done isn't it you know and i think that that is a pitfall that we can stand around and say oh everything looks like it's done but it's not you know ask the guys in the back i want to put them on the spot they're back there from this morning all the way through the whole day they have a whole day of burning CDs and recording getting things done and they were willing to do it you know, I didn't have to prod them too much to be back there. But in all sincerity, there's always more to be done. Um, you know, no matter how much you organize, there's always more. You know, organize, orga- I was thinking before, organize sounds a lot like organism. You know, organization is a sign of something be alive. And I think organization itself is constantly moving. If we fall into one pattern of doing things, but there's, as we do that, we say, oh, there's a better way of doing things. Let's make version 2.0. Let's expand this a little and do it a little better. And I think that's why organization beca- can become an addiction because then you're always, how can I do this better? How can I do this better? I mean, I won't get into to stories, but that's what it is. But that brings us to our next point that organization requires participation. You know, you can organize things as much as you want on paper, but if there's no one around to enact those organizational materials or to cast those lots or even to say, hey, this is our plot of land, let's go move into it, you know, what's the point? It's just paper. I think, again, to the cleaning a room example, but, you know, you can clean your room and now it's all organized, but now it takes effort and participation to maintain that organization because if you don't put things back where they belong – in a week or two, you're going to have to clean up your room, or later that day, it depends on how messy you are. But Luke 7.47 says, uh, Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And that's Jesus speaking. And again, the point of all this is Jesus. The point of all this is is how do we know him? Do we know him? Are we living for him? But really, if we've been forgiven much we'll forgive much. And that, I think that applies to more than just personal spats or issues that are going on, but to really, God has done a lot for me. Ought I not to do a lot for God? And not that he needs it, or not that he looks down on me if I'm not sweating all day long for him, because that's not really his desire. But sincerely, if we are really saved, and we know the God who saved us and did all those things for us and continues to, ought we not to continue in service to him? As Paul would say, you know, Lord, like, Am I not an unprofitable servant? Like, even if we are as obedient as we could be, we still haven't profited God any. You know, we can never come to God and say, hey, Lord, look what I gained for you. He says, I own it already. I just let you have some time with it. You know, Paul calls himself a doulos, a bond servant, a bond slave. And what that was uh, is if you were a slave for a period of time, maybe you're working off uh, some bills you had to pay, but your master was really good. And when the time came for you to go free, you could say, I want to be a bond slave. You go, you get... Plugs put in your ear like the kids do these days. And it would be a sign that you are now somebody's property. It would be a sign that, hey, I am my master's doulos because my master's awesome. He gives me time off. He gives me a great house. He's not too hard. You know, it's fantastic working for him. I don't mind working for him. He loves me. You know, and that's what Paul called himself, that he was a bond servant. You know, he didn't, he had a choice. And I think with participation there is always a choice we can choose to serve god as he calls us or we can choose not to serve god and in some sense you know there can be disobedience there but in the other sense again to that point of you know not being content on this side of the jordan where hey we should step out a little bit more let's let's not be content with what god has given us hey lord can i carry one extra bag for you is there, is there any more room for you to help for, you know am i doing the best job here But it's interesting that it says that the Levites, they had no inheritance, that they didn't get a lot, Uh, but instead their inheritance was uh, serving God, that these Levites, they didn't have a land. Yeah, they had their cities and they had room for their, you know, their cows and everything um, and their sheep, but they didn't have a place of land to call their own. And I think what an awesome picture that is for us as believers, where um, we don't really have a place to call our own. Yeah, we have a building and it's fantastic, but sincerely on earth, you know, if we're really serving the Lord, our mind is not to have an inheritance on earth. Our mind and our inheritance on earth really is the opportunity and the ability and the, the blessing of serving God. And our true inheritance is in heaven with Jesus and with the rewards that he's going to give us. That In fact, we're just going to cast back at him and say, Lord, it was yours anyway. Thanks for letting me be a part. But Matthew 6, 20 through 21 says, But lay up for yourselves, as Jesus is speaking again, treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Is your heart in heaven? And if so, I think, we'll be living life here to be prepared for there. If your heart is in heaven, you're going to be concerned about the things of the Lord, not only in what does the Bible say, Not only in am I living a Christian life, am I loving others, am I a good witness, but in what can I do to help advance his kingdom? What can I do um, not for my glory, but for his, and that others might see him and know him? You know, Philippians three twenty says, For our citizenship citizenship, excuse me, is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That again, the point of going to heaven is Jesus. But our real citizenship is there. That, yeah, we need to be good stewards of our American citizenship. We should use our freedoms to vote and to stand up and to do what's right. But all in the light of, hey, I'm going to heaven. I don't need a plot of land here. I don't need the state of Christianity. I need heaven. I want the whole country to come to know God. You know what, again... We do need to be good stewards on earth, not this too heavenly minded where we're no earthly good. And a lot of Christians get apathetic and say, I'm a citizen of heaven. I don't really need to vote or I don't really need to be a good citizen or all these things. And I'd say rubbish. It's not your main priority again. But if we really are citizens of heaven and we know God, shouldn't we then be ones who are ambassadors for what is right here on earth? Shouldn't we again be the ones who do the right thing here on earth? If we stand back in apathy and do nothing about the evil and wickedness that goes on around us, do we even know God? Didn't Jesus step down into filth to protect us? Didn't Jesus stand up for those who were being hurt? You know, wasn't it Jesus said, if you cause one of these little ones to stumble in my name, I'll cast, you know, it's better for you to be thrown like the mob into the lake with the stone around your neck than to lead someone of these little ones astray. And if we see all these kids going astray in schools and all other things, and we don't as believers stand up for what's right and say, hey you shouldn't teach them that. That's wrong. Or, hey, whatever the issue may be that the world seems to think is right these days. You hear what I'm saying? Like, again, the gospel and Jesus is most important. Serving the Lord is most important. But I think that all these other things are really an outflow of that. I think a large problem with the church today, if I stand on a soapbox, is that we've disengaged from culture and said, they're all sinners. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm just going to go to church on Sunday. I'm going to stay in my house and never have any contact with the world. And that's Not the Lord. But again our motive should be a heaven. And to kinda lighten up the mood a little bit, organization requires direction. When we if you are organizing something, you need to have a way to carry it out. In Ephesians four, eleven through twelve says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Uh, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You know, ministry is work. There is plenty of work to be done. But I think that even going on a journey or vacation requires a lot of trip planning. You know, what time am I leaving? What am I packing? Did I pack too much? Did I pack too little? What are we doing on day three? Do we have enough money saved up? Do we have, you know, whatever it is that you need for your vacation, we put all that time into because we look forward to it so much. Shouldn't we put into the same amount of organization into how we serve the Lord? You know, there's organization in the body. There's Jesus. There's pastors, elders, board, deacons, servants, but the thing is, again, with that organization, excuse me, organizational chart, we are all under the Lord. You know, uh, you know, Pastor Tony is the senior pastor, and he has a board and elders and pastors who advise him, but we're all under the Lord. He takes direction from the Lord, and as other pastors and uh, leadership, we support him as the Lord leads. And, you know, we don't, you know, Tony and I met the other day about something and it wasn't just, I'm just going to agree with you hundred percent, but let's hash this out. Let's talk about some things that are going on. And I, I like that we can have that relationship where it's not just robots, like Tony's hearing from the Lord. So whatever he says goes and we can't talk about it or see what's going on or get different points of view. It's not a cult. But again, even in that, it's still, we submit and we need to respect the leadership in that sense and to support them in the ministry because it's a heavy calling. Um, In anything we do for the Lord, it's a lot more than it looks from the surface. You go, oh, it's just, I'm going to go serve in children's ministry. I'm going to go serve in the cafe. But it's always a lot more responsibility than it looks. And I think that that's why we need direction and why we need to know that the Lord is calling us in that direction um, because the road can be hard sometimes. The road can be long. But again, there needs to be that order. Just as in the military, there needs to be a pecking order, so to say, and and not that the pastors or leaders are better than anyone. In fact, we should be below the body. And the the higher you go, so to speak, in servanthood, you know, you really, it's the lower you're going, it's been said, that really now I'm serving more people. Now I have more responsibility. Now I need to die to myself more often because I have more responsibility. And we'll go on. uh, 14, we'll read six through nine. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of uh, that guy, uh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me uh, made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day saying, surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord, my God. You know, we see the story. uh, I think we read it earlier about spying out the land. And here's the next point. Organization requires reconnaissance. You know, if you're going to buy a car or buy a house, Generally, you don't just go to the dealership, give them all that money, and walk away with whatever the dealer wants to hand you. I mean, if you do, I'm sure you got something that wasn't that good, unless you have a lot of money. You know, you just walk in and give them a million dollars and walk away with the Ferrari, and it doesn't matter. But for the rest of us, we need to shop around, because we want to make sure we're getting the most for our money, because money doesn't grow in trees. It's a little hard to come by these days. So we shop around. And I think the same thing in ministry, that we need to, to figure out what are the needs. You know, Do we need a hatchback? Do we need four-wheel drive? Uh, Is that four-disc DVD player in the car really necessary on my budget? In the same way with ministry, we need to find out what the needs are. Um, In the book of Acts again, which is a great example for learning what church should be like and and how to do things and how things are organized, uh, we see the Hellenists, that there is these – Greek and Jewish widows who weren't being met because there are so many needs going on in the church and the apostles couldn't handle it anymore. So the apostles said, hey, let's go find some men full of the Holy Spirit that can now go wait on tables, that can bring you sandwiches, that can make sure that there's uh, money to be given out if you have a need or whatever it is that can clean the toilets. And I think that's important too that we're willing to step up and do the things that don't have a spotlight, so to say, like being up here, because honestly, if the church wasn't being cleaned, if sandwiches weren't being, you know, provided or other things weren't being provided, there would be no opportunity for Pastor Tony or Tony or myself or anyone else to stand up here and to share the word of God with you, because we'd be so busy doing these other things. And not that we don't want to do them, but in terms of organization, God has called us to do these things. And if God has called us to do these things, these are the most important things for us to be doing in a sense. But there's this saying, and I think it was Ferdinand Porsche who said, uh, I mean, I've heard it credited to him, but I did some research and I can't nail it down. But he says, form follows function. And so many people think the Porsche, uh, or Porsche, if you want to be uh, super German, is uh, (laughs) – It was an ugly car, and it still kind of is. You know, you kind of look at a Porsche compared to a Ferrari, and you go, yeah, that's kind of nice looking, but the Ferrari looks a little better. And the idea was form follows function, where we're going to make this thing as ugly as it has to be in order for it to do the job that we want. thats go really fast. I mean, you look at a stealth fighter sometimes, if you've seen it with all the angles and everything, and we couldn't have come up with that years ago because we didn't have computers. And even now, it's mainly flown by a computer and some guy on a joystick, and the computer does all the little... Minor controls and adjustments that a human could never do to keep it in the air because the thing is so ugly and so unaerodynamic it doesn't want to fly. So a computer has to fly it and the guy just gives it the general direction. And where I'm going with that <laughs> <laughs> is that just because it looks like it's something that needs to be done doesn't mean that it's something that needs to be done. And sometimes the way things need to be done aren't the logical ways to be done you know, Joshua marching around the city. That's not the logical way to take a city. In the same way, ministry doesn't always look like the way we think it should look. And when we read the Bible, we say, oh, that's how it should look. I mean, go read Corinthians. And they had some crazy ideas for what they thought their church should look like. And Paul had plenty of words to tell them that's not the way it should be. And the next point, out of all 38 points in this message is organization requires unity. You know, uh, if anything is going to get done, everyone kind of has to be on board. Um, I think of those old boats. I don't know if it was Ben-Hur, one of those old Charlton Heston movies where they're rowing the boat underneath. And it's like, if those guys aren't rowing in time, or if you've ever gone out rowing with a friend, and you're rowing one time, and they're rowing another time, and it's just, you know, turns into this... Oh, boy, we're not going anywhere. We're in trouble. <laughs> you know, I think the same can be in church. If we're not all rowing in the same direction under the command of the same leader, you know, we'll never get to the fish. We'll never get to the other side. We're going to be in the middle of this lake forever. And it's almost – thankfully, we've had lunch, so we can go a little bit longer. But I also think of uh, the movie Saving Private Ryan. And if you remember that movie, um, it's a little gory and there's some language. But I think that the story itself is a good one where uh, Tom Hanks is the captain and he's got all his guys and they just got assigned their mission, mission to go get Private Ryan and they're in the middle of the field and they all start complaining and I think it was Tom Hanks who says, you know, I, I complain, but I complain up. You know, I complain up the chain of command and there's a way of doing that. And I think the application of ministry is really that we need to complain up. First, if we have a problem, we need to take it to the Lord and take it to the Lord again, and take it to the Lord again, and have the Lord check our heart on these issues. And then, take it to someone who can actually do something about it. You know, if you have a problem with the sound, too bad. No, I'm kidding. If you have a problem with the sound, come talk to me. I'll give you earplugs. But sincerely, if you have a problem, or if there's something going on, take it to someone who can do something about it, and take it to them in a way that's respectful and not you know, condemning or anything, because you don't know all the facts. And a lot of times when we complain, we don't know all the facts. So don't complain to those who are around you or underneath you. Why? Because that leads to division. When we complain or we talk, you know, complaining is not a a good thing to do in general, but if we have a problem and a concern, and what I mean by that complaining really is to take it to someone, you know, when we take it to someone who can do something about it and who has the authority in a sense of the church, and who has spiritual insight and guidance, then we usually find resolution to that issue. There's usually a resolution, and everything works out, and we're able to make a good godly decision and carry on with it. But when we complain to others, when we don't go God's prescribed organized method for dealing with issues, it leads to division. If you have a problem with somebody in the church, take it to that person. Don't take it to someone else. If you go to that person like the Bible says and they don't hear you, go get a friend and go talk to the person with that friend. And that friend can be a witness and so on and so forth and then take it to leadership then to the church. And then we get to our favorite verse we like to quote out of context where two or three or more are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst of them. Oh, that's fantastic. If there's two or three of us, we can have church. Well, Yeah. But the truth is with that verse that if there's two or three people gathered to resolve an issue, the Lord is in the middle of that issue. You know, there's that idea of having two or three witnesses back in the day was a valid witness. But we'll go on. In verse 9 it says, um, So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot is trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. An organization requires dedication. That disinheritance was because they actually went out and did the work. They actually went out and walked where they were supposed to walk and do what they were supposed to do. And they fulfilled it. You know, Luke 9, 61 through 62 says, And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. You know, I have friends over. Let me go say goodbye before I ditch them and follow you. But Jesus said to them, No one having put his hands to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God, where dedication is part of service and dedication is part of organization. But sometimes we have to leave things behind in order to follow the Lord. We have to leave things behind that aren't necessarily bad, certain friends or certain activities. Like, you know, we need to get our priorities straight in order to faithfully serve God. You know, we can serve God on and off in that volunteer status without any real dedication, But if you truly want to serve the Lord, and when you truly serve the Lord, it requires dedication. Sometimes it requires getting up. Sometimes it requires not going certain places, not because it's wrong to do them, but because you have other priorities. Uh, I remember first getting saved— and it was uh, a couple months after I got saved. I was still hanging out with um, – my friends who were unbelievers and they still kind of put up with me. And we went out for my friend's birthday. went out the dinner. It was nice in the city and it was getting late and uh, it was a Saturday night. And they said, hey, we're going to go to a bar for this guy's birthday. Do you want to come? And now I probably would have gone and not had anything to drink because God took it away from me and it wasn't really like a desire I had anymore. But the next morning was church. I was like, no, I'm sorry, guys. You know, I have church in the morning. Um, Thanks for the invite. I had a real good time with you, and I hope you guys have a good time, but I'm going to go to church. And they were, you know, just had attitude for it. What? Huh? They were like mad that I didn't go out with them. And I was like, I'm sorry. You know, it's no offense. I just want to go to church in the morning. And even in that basic level, you know, there had to be some sort of a sacrifice there to say, hey, in order for me to do this, I need to not do this. And I think that that's the hardest part about being an adult for me is saying I have to make choices. I can't do everything I want anymore. You know, I may never become that famous skydiver or hockey goalie or anything anymore because I just don't have time to pursue those things. You know, So if you're young, pursue everything you can. If you're a teenager or living in your parents' home and you don't have to have a full-time job yet or you don't have all these bills, do whatever you can while you can. Because when those when those bills come, you go, wow! All right, I can go to work, or I can stay home and watch *Prices Right*. But eventually, if I don't go to work, <laughs> I won't have a place to watch *Prices Right*. <laughs> Just being real, you know. God rewards faithful service. Uh, Luke sixteen quickly says, "He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much." Uh, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you trust true riches? And you have not been faithful in what what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can have two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And I think for all of us, when it comes down to, sometimes there may be job opportunities or things that come up that interfere with ministry, and you really have to make the call, what is more important to me? And sometimes that, that can have serious consequences now i'm not saying blow off your employer or be a bad employee but when it comes to having hey, this is this great job it'll pay you more there's all these other opportunities but you have to work sundays and wednesdays i'd say maybe that really isn't the best job for you maybe there's another job out there for you and uh read uh i'm reading my own notes out loud so let's go on verse 10 <laughs> a little over organized right I have to be. Ask my wife. I'm like, bad. Uh, Verse 10. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive and has... (laughs) Thank you, Lord. As he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old, and yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. And I'll skip the rest for time. You know, he says that I'm strong this day as I was when Moses first called me. And he's an old guy. I think of that maybe the juicer guy with the eyebrows. who's still just as strong as 90 because he juices vegetables all day apparently. But organization requires perseverance. You know, if you, if you have a plan and it's a godly plan, and you intend you, you to stick to it, even if it's just, what does the word of God say? I want to stick to this plan for my life. Hard times will come. Anyone who desires to live godly will suffer persecution, the Bible says. You know, things will be broken, changed, upset. You will be hurt in service. You cannot serve God for your entire life and never be hurt. And I'm not saying that that's like a good thing necessarily. Like, yeah, you know, sign up now and we'll abuse you. No, it's... Really, like, what did Jesus do? He was ultimately hurt, and he was in the center of God's will. He was hurt into death, and I think if we're going to uh, follow him, there's going to be a common time when our friends hurt us, our family hurts us, those we serve with hurt us, someone in leadership over us hurts us, and we really need to take those hurts to the Lord, because we can have wrong reactions and re- right reactions to those hurts, but we need to persevere through them. Like Tony said, we need to continue to fight through them. You know, Pastor Chuck said, this is a Pastor Chuckism, and um, I'm grateful to the Lord for this man who served him so faithfully here. But blessed are the flexible, for they shall not break. You know, when we get so rigid, even in our organization, we get so right down to it, you know, we're going to get broken because, you know, even the best laid plans don't work out. You know, I think there's a saying about going to war where, I forget exactly what it is. Someone out here might know it. But, you know, you plan to go to war, but then once you're in the war, basically all the, you know, none of the plans even matter anymore. You just kind of had a plan to go in there and then everything changed. And I encourage you to read this book. I believe it's called Second. Um, it was by Pastor Chuck's assistant pastor. And I read this uh, years ago when I came out of a, we were at like a, a pastor's conference down in Maryland and it was good. And I was, you know, I was a deacon at the time. Um, it was really, you know, I had no intentions of it, but God was preparing me for something. And I think that that book can apply to all of us. It's really a good book on service and, and how to serve and how to serve others in leadership. But to go on about walking into the land and waiting for God's promise to come about, you know, organization requires faith, and organization requires prayer. You know, Jesus said, "You have not because you ask not," and I think we need to ask uh, a lot more than we act sometimes. You know, we need to pray and prepare. There's that saying, "Pray for the best and prepare for the worst," and it's true. Um, It's very true. It's I think as believers, a lot of times we sit around and we say, oh, I'm just praying about it, but then we never do anything about it. We say, oh, I'm going to pray God's going to meet my needs, but then you never go looking for a job, and God's saying, if you went and looked for a job, I'd help you, you know? Um, And that's really the thing, is that we need to pray, and we need to prepare. If you look at Nehemiah, he prayed, God helped him prepare, and then he went and built a wall when he had the opportunity David about the temple, even though he couldn't build the temple, he said, I'm going to gather everything. So when my son Solomon's ready, he can build the temple. Jesus, he's in heaven preparing a place for us right now. And he can't wait for us to be there. So I think preparation is not a sin. You know, James says that if you plan ahead and and you're so confident in your plans that next year I'm going to be here and I'm going to do this business and that thing and this and that. When we put our faith in our plans is when we've sinned. But making a plan is not sin. You know, we need to submit those plans to the Lord. You know, like I pray that the Lord would protect my family, but I take every step to protect my family if someone comes in the door. You know, that's not not that's not me not having faith. That's me having faith that that will never happen. Lord, please protect us. And if that does happen, continue to protect us through it. But this world is full of sin and bad things are going to happen, so I'm still going to prepare as I pray. So pray for the best, prepare for the worst. And I know we're getting close on time, but... Um, so I'll skip this. But for homework, read uh, Exodus 35. Um, You you see that the people there give their all, they give their gifts, they give their money, they give their goods, they give their skills and talents. And a lot of them are artists. I encourage you, seriously, read Exodus 35. It only takes a couple minutes when you get home. Because we'll see that organization requires obedience. I think, again, along those volunteer lines, when we come to church and we serve, a lot of times we think we can give God our scraps. We can give God the old speakers that we are going to throw out and the old lawnmower because, hey, isn't it better to give it to God than throw it out? <laughs> no, if it's junk, throw it out. We don't want it. You know, God doesn't want your junk. You know, would you give your wife junk for Christmas? Hey, babe, I was going to throw this out, but <laughs> I thought you might want it. No way. If you want to have... If you want to live the rest of your life, you're not going to do that. <laughs> you know, we would give people in our life that we love our best, so why not the Lord? But in that sense, it talks about all these talents and all these artists who brought their gifts and their talents to God to use them. And if you have a talent for the Lord, I don't care what it is. If you have a talent in life, if there's a skill you have, a physical skill, God will use it, and God wants to use it. And don't discount it. Oh, it's, it's knitting, or it's shooting basketball. God will use it. I mean, I never liked basketball. I always tried. I was always bad at it. But we did a basketball ministry years ago with guys who actually played basketball with some kids in a a juvenile center, and it was fantastic. Now, if they didn't like basketball, I certainly wouldn't have started that ministry, and those kids never would have been ministered to. But I got to be a part of it because someone said, I like basketball. These kids like basketball. Let's Let's go play, and let's go share the Lord with them. And I encourage you, whatever skill or whatever thing you like to do, God can use it for his glory unless it's, like, sinful, you know. God doesn't want you going out and get drunk for the Lord, you know, because you like to, you know, you know what I mean. In this crowd, I don't need to explain that, and I apologize. But when I was at Tony's church, no, I was kidding. <laughs> just kidding. They're awesome up there. But organization requires obedience. You know, Christianity in the arts, Christianity in the public life, the church is on this huge kick about relevance, and they miss the point. They they sacrifice doctrine and biblical correctness for quote-unquote relevance because the pastor has a beard or something and and that's my thing i just want a beard because whatever but sincerely if we're going after these things that the world seems to like and sacrifice the scripture we've missed the point because this is what everything needs to be organized on from top to bottom and for anyone listening on tape i held up the bible (laughs) but why do we need to do things well for the Lord? Because it's a good witness. If people come to church and the ceiling tiles are hanging down and the music's pretty lousy and there's typos on the screen and the pastor hasn't prepared, someone's going to come in and go, they don't even care, you know? And if we don't care enough to do a good job for the Lord, not that we have to work for our salvation, but if we don't care enough to do a good job for the Lord, what does that say about the Lord? What kind of example is that to him, to unbelievers who look on and say, Wow, the Lord must not be that important if they don't do that good of a job? You know. But above all, organization requires the Holy Spirit. The other guys touched on it before that, you know, just because we have a skill doesn't mean that necessarily that's our spiritual gifting. You know, the flesh's organization does not equate to spiritual organization. A lot of times we tend to equate our natural gifts and say that, oh, if I'm naturally gifted at something, that must be my spiritual equivalent now that I'm filled with the Spirit. And that may be the case, but nine times out of ten, it's, it's not. You know, a musician is not necessarily a worship leader. They may be a good musician, but God may not have called them at that time. Um, someone who's a school teacher may not be a pastor. Just because they can teach doesn't mean that they have the inspiration of God for the teaching. You know, I think they can go with, with anything. Now, it doesn't mean that, that God can't use you and call you into that position or whatever, and, and, but it's in his time. Fleshly talents are good, but spiritual gifts are better. You know, just because you can build a fantastic cathedral for the Lord with your carpentry skills doesn't mean that God would prefer you do that than to spend an hour with him during the day, you know, or to, to share Jesus with somebody at the job site. You know, you could leave and go build a giant altar for God, but maybe God just wants you to stay on that job site as a contractor to share with the guys who don't know him. You know, the spiritual always trumps the physical. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 31. I'm not going to read the, I'm going to blow through the rest of this because we're already running over, but I'm going to skip to the end of that part. It says, uh, do all have the gift of healings? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way that, Loving others and loving God is the most important part of organization. If your organization hurts somebody you know, in an ungodly way, I mean we all need to be hurt in a godly way from time to time, but our organization should never trump someone's needs. You know, the law talked about not doing work on the Sabbath, and Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, hey, if you see your animal stuck in a ditch, don't you get him out on the Sunday? So why is it wrong for me to heal this guy on the Sabbath? And I think that if, if we get so caught up in our organization and it's easy to do, that's another pitfall in ministry. That when we're caught up, so caught up in what we have to do that we forget that there's people around us, there's a problem. And that's very easy to do on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday or whenever ministry. You're in is that you're so busy about is everything done? I got ten minutes left. Is everything done? And you miss the person who, who's sitting in the hallway who no one's talking to. You know, God would rather you take thirty seconds and talk to them than to blow by them and then stand around in the children's ministry class and say, "Okay, everything's done." You know, the organization should always be about bringing people to the Lord. And I'm just going to read a couple verses from the next couple chapters, and we're going to close out here. Uh, Joshua fifteen one. So this was the lot of the tribe of the children of Judah according to their families. You know, it's according to their families. That even in family, there's organization. You have the, the father or the husband who's the head, the wife who's the neck and who does all the real work in the family. And the, the children who come along and who do the chores. And I, hopefully. Lord, <laughs> Mia already cleans up, which is fantastic. She Her favorite thing to do is like, clean up. And I'm like, yes, Lord, thank you. Um, because I don't want to do it. But sincerely, there's organization in family, and for family to work right, there needs to be organization. And if we're the body of Christ, if we're a family of believers here, we need to, to be in healthy organization. And verse 14 says, Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak from there, etc., etc. And then he went up there to the heavens of Devir and continued on his little thing. But a lot of times, inheritance and rewards, it requires driving out the enemy. It requires us to be organized enough to be able to drive out the enemy from an area. Now, I don't necessarily mean going out and buying a bunch of weapons and we want that plot of land over there at Soreskes, so we're going to commit a terrorist act to get that land over there. No, not at all. What I'm saying is we need to be organized spiritually and be willing to say God might have a promise for us, but there might be something in our life that he has to deal with first, or there might be something else that God needs to deal with before we can inherit that promise. But victory always comes when we're with the Lord and when we're under his organization. And I have a question for us you know, are we in fighting or are we outreaching? And that can be a big deal if organization breaks down. But organization requires removing resistance. You know, sometimes there's people in the body that need to be removed by force. I remember being at a French church once, and some guy came in and he looked a little funny. He was acting a little funny in the middle of the service. He got up and was doing all this crazy stuff, and a couple of the guys in the back had to come and forcefully remove this person because it was disturbing what the Lord was doing. But I think also that there can be resistance in our lives. There can be things that we say no to God to about that we need to remove. If we want to be able to be in a place where we can serve God, you know, if God's convicting you to give up drinking, for instance, and you're unwilling to give it up, I don't know that God is going to have, God has more for you, but God's certainly not going to allow you to to continue much further than that until he deals with what he's asking you to deal with. And that goes through all stages of our life, you know, I guess the heart of really what I hope I hope I'm saying here is don't be sidelined. Don't let there be things in our life and there will be and there are from time to time and all, no one's perfect. we all fall from time to time. but the key is that we get back up. you know a righteous man falls seven times but he gets up. And one of the I'll hit the last few points here. organization is rewarding because when we follow organization there's a reward in that. you know when athletes train or, or other people go on and they go to fight you know if you go organized, you'll probably get a bigger return in the end. Um, I mean, these companies have people dedicated to having their finances organized so they can make boatloads of money. If they didn't have an army of accountants and lawyers, they probably wouldn't make those boatloads of money. In the same way, we need to be organized and we need to be good stewards if we want to have a better reward. But organization requires delegation and it requires realism. You know, organization only works if there's somebody to hand out orders. Now, The person who's handing out orders is the best. Servant leadership is the best. You don't want the guy standing around pointing around all day. You know that's sort of like an assistant pastor joke that they just stand around and do nothing. An assistant pastor should be doing anything but that. Anybody should, but if we're not getting orders, how are we going to fulfill those orders? You know. Chapter 16, verse 1 says, The lot fell to the children of Joseph from the Jordan by Jericho, to the waters of Jericho on the east, to the wilderness that goes up from Jericho through the mountains to Bethel. That while we're serving God, we may have to go through wilderness times again, that we might lose what we want. Things may not be comfortable while we're serving the Lord. You may have to forego a meal if you're in the back, or you may have to forego an afternoon of the movies, to come to something like this. And in the end, it's always worth it. But it requires follow through. We need to continue what we're doing. You know, if we can be very organized at the beginning of our day, but at the end of the day, the place is a mess, what was the point? If we never got what we started finished. You know, the Lord says that that he's begun a good work in us, and he desires to finish it. And we need to do the same. If we started something from the Lord, if we put our hands to the plow for the Lord, we need to keep pushing. We need to keep pers- persevering even when things are hard because there is reward at the end of it. There is, obviously, the Lord is a reward. But when we plow through, you know, if you have a relationship or someone that you're praying for or ministering to, and it's hard, but you keep pushing and you keep praying and you keep ministering, you know, there's a reward at the end of that. You know, as I was saying, again, at Pastor Tony's house about that board game we play, you know, because we'd move pieces around and then change our minds and everything. Try and suit our own needs, kind of cheating. So we put a stop to that. And the saying we have is, "Once you commit, that is it." And I think the same thing with the Lord. If you've truly committed to the Lord, that's it. You're committed. Push forward from there. Don't doubt that commitment. Fulfill that commitment to the Lord. You know, an organization it remo- removes confusion. This is our last point. First Corinthians fourteen thirty three again says, "For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches and the saints." You know even the roads are organized with signs, and sometimes you go, "Who designed these roads?" because this is horrible. But sincerely, we need to have organization so that we all know what we're doing, why we're doing, why we're doing it, and who we're doing it for. you know and it should be the Lord. Again, that's the end of our organization is that everything will be built up to the Lord that we're not building an organizational altar to an idol. But that we're building an organization that we might better serve God because we are soldiers as believers. We're not here, you know, the Bible says that um, even a soldier doesn't care about the earthly things, about the civilian matters, but he cares about what his commander wants and what the, the country needs. In the same way, as Christians, we're soldiers. And we're fighting a fight that's hard. We're fighting a fight that the enemy fights dirty, and our friends get hurt and fall around us, and we can get shot, to use this metaphor. But you know what? We have a king that we're serving. And when we get to his kingdom, it will all be worth it. We won't even remember how bad the battle was, but how great our king was. Amen.